They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscara, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones. The game winner got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown to one Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no doubt. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Tuesday to you, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher. Another edition of Sandos and the Sidekick jam-packed. Mystery guest so good, we moved it up a day early. We'll hear from Angry Man and see what gets his uh, gears turning. And top 25 mid-major style. Where in the world are the Bucks and the rest of the Southern Conference ranked in the mid-major polls? We'll tell you that and much more. But we lead the show off with Mike. Last night, the ETSU Radio Coaches Show. Yeah, uh, Head Coach Steve Forbes joined you once again from Wild Wing Cafe, 6 o'clock every Monday night, 71 Wilson Avenue in downtown Johnson City. And Cheap plug. Yeah, absolutely. i got to get the pop in there. So aside from looking ahead to Sanford, because we're going to do that uh, here in a bit with a couple sound bites, but also more extensively on Thursday, uh, just a thought from Coach Forbes about the offensive philosophy and what you hope, I think, with a lot of teams that you coach and that you cheer for is that they seem to be very unselfish with who scores the basketball. I don't think anybody cares who the league scores. I think we've now Pat's leading us in scoring, you know, in league play. I don't. He hasn't been the league scorer all year. You know, it's been Davian, Trey, Bo, um, Jerome at times. You know, now Maladin. I think that's what makes Lucas. I think that's what makes our team really good. Is the versatility of our team and the ability to not have to rely on one or two guys to, to have to have a chance to win. So I think you like that as a fan and hearing Coach Forbes talk about it and as a coach you like to hear that. I always have to question, and I'll question you once again on this, are you comfortable with it? Does it make you nervous at all knowing that in a big game down the stretch towards the postseason that while yes, you may have a bunch of guys that can score the basketball. Can that be kind of the old quarterback philosophy, right? you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Three quarterbacks, you don't have one. Does it worry you that ETSU maybe doesn't have that one, quote-unquote, takeover guy? Yeah, I think there's always – Or do they have that? And well, if I'm wrong on that. If they do, I don't think they've found it yet. I mean, just to be blunt about it, because I think there's opportunities for guys to ice games that haven't ice games. There's been different guys that have had that opportunity. You know, right now the one thing that you can you can look at it from one angle, which is if it's a late game situation, they've got five guys on the floor that could hit that shot. The problem is, are all five of those guys ready to hit that who shot? Who wants right? It? Yeah, who who is uh, ready to go? Who's going to take that final shot? You know, I've always kind of questioned. You knew late in the game, just for an example, a couple of years ago, it was T.J. Crummer. You knew late in the game he was going to take a shot. But what made it dangerous was the year prior when it was Gilon Gwynn or T.J. Cromer hitting game winners, right? So you couldn't hone in on a guy. And even uh, T.J.'s last year, uh, it was T.J. and DeSante. Last year, it was only DeSante. So DeSante did hit some game winners. But in the same token, teams did some things to take the ball out of his hands. There is not uh, a situation now where you can hone in on that. I think it's dangerous for the entirety of the game to know that there's 
five guys, six, let's see, two, four, six, seven guys averaging like eight points or more. That's right. To me, that's impressive. Uh, and then, honestly, Tizzo's averaging about seven, and he's he's led the team in scoring before. So there is something to be said, you know, that the guys are unselfish on any given night. But I do agree there is pause for concern on which guy is going to be the ice man when you need it to put it down. And I thought maybe Patrick Good would be that guy for the simple reason that we saw him at Mercer one and ones knock down the front ends, the back ends, four straight points to kind of seal that one. But in the same token, in his home gym where she feel comfortable, he had a front end of a one and one to ice VMI and didn't hit it. So still kind of seeing, you know, Trey Boyd's still the chameleon. You know, he still leads a team in scoring, and he's had four games where he hasn't scored. Right. I mean, that's impressive. So you look that's at that. That's what I think I worry about, too, is that the streakiness of some of these guys. Like, yeah, Pat Good goes out, drops 11 threes, 35 points. But I don't think I view him or envision him as the number one scorer on a team. Trey Boyd is kind of hot and cold at times, too. And it seems like Jerome Rodriguez is very steady, but he is definitely not a takeover scorer. No, and, and it's tough for post guys right. to do that because they can Especially double their – Yeah, right. you know, they just – people double you, do, do some things to try to get the ball out of your hand quickly. But – the one thing that is good about him and Armas, and even Goussaint, honestly, is if it's late in the game situation, they do get him the ball, and they allow one-on-one. I feel good about those guys putting somebody in the basket. Definitely. Opposite of that, let's say they do crash down, they start to double, those guys have proven to be very good passers and to be patient and find the open man. And so that I do feel more comfortable if they put it in the post first, you know, if – the situation where nobody's kind of stepped up to be that guy. But if they're able to, to stay there uh, and then kind of create for one of the shooters that's had a good day, and I think the coaching staff's smart enough to know, okay, if Trey Boyd has hit five threes today, we're going to make sure he's on the opposite wing of where we're going to enter the basketball so they'll throw that skip pass and get him an open look or Pat Good or Davian or whoever the, the guy is at that point in time. So Trey Boyd, 11.8. Jerome Rodriguez, 11.7 per game. Patrick Good, 11.2. Then Davian Williams at 9.1. In conference play, Good is at 12 points a game. Then you've got Rodriguez at 11.8. As we said, that consistency. Davian Williamson at 11 per game and then 10.6 for Trey Boyd. I want to point out one thing. We haven't talked about Davian, Davian Williamson a whole lot in terms of this conversation. He's a guy that has gotten ETSU off to a number of very good starts. I think there was like a three or four game stretch where he scored like five of the first eight or something like that in each of the games. But maybe hasn't been the guy at the end that's gotten the ball a whole lot, but still is shooting 53% for a guard, a obviously can do a little bit of everything type guy, but for a guard and specifically a point guard to be shooting 53%, firstly says you're very smart with your opportunities, very efficient with your scoring, but also you're probably not taking a ton of shots, and we've seen with Davian Williamson that those can kind of come and go, agreed? No, totally agree with you, and and again, I think he's maybe hit a little bit of that freshman wall, right? right, because he's played a lot of minutes early against different level competition, uh, the style of games, and, and, and people, I, I can't tell you enough how much this hurts because people are like, oh, these guys have been traveling, playing AAU. You're not on buses. You're not taking classes. It's a, just a different travel schedule than what you're used to in AAU in the summer where you're not worried about other things going on in your life. And, uh, you know, and competition. You know, I, I think the competition level is, is there. And I don't care how much AAU basketball you have played. Damian Williamson has still not played the type of basketball that he has seen this season. Right. I mean, you just can't mimic that. There's there's not every guy on every AAU team you play that play at a higher level. It just doesn't work that way. So he's kind of had a little bit of that fresh, freshman wall. We've seen it late in games where maybe his legs quite haven't been there, which is why I think he's had good starts. Now we'll see if he catches that second wind 
Uh, and, you know, it would be interesting to see. The good thing is there's a lot of guys that can step up if Davian doesn't have that win, Tisdale Good and some others. Yeah, Isaiah Tisdale has a similar stat line to Davian Williams, just a couple points less per game, but he's shooting 51.5% again as a quasi-point guard. Coach Forbes on moving forward. I think their team has grown up because now they have heartache at Wofford, and they had a really great chance to win it in regulation. They had the ball with 24 seconds to go, break the pressure, and then instead of holding it to get fouled, they shot it, missed it, came down, made three. You know, those things happen. Um, but they bounced back. And, you know, there's a team that typically is not – they're better than their record. And, you know, they had a really good non-conference record, but then they got off to a slow start in the league play. But right now, you know, they're playing at a high level. I mean, Sharky's playing like an all-league guard. Brandon Austin, he's making threes out of like crazy. He's averaging 20 points a game his last three games. Guerrero is one of the best bigs in the league. When I just talked about Allen. Allen's 9 for 15 from 3 in his last three games at that 4. I mean, they can score the ball. That's just a quick peek into Sanford. I don't have a whole lot of interest in breaking it down a whole lot right now since we do have a couple of days until game day against the Bulldogs, which you'll be leaving, I believe, tomorrow at about 3 o'clock with the team. And so you'll be on the road for, uh, boy, four or five days, much like a trip that I just had with ETSU women's basketball. And Mercer, a little bit out of that soundbite, was Coach Forbes talking about what some perceived as mismanagement of the game laid on against Wofford. I know Angerman, who we'll talk to in just a few segments here, uh, he was beside himself and perturbed, to say the least, about why Sanford did not hold the ball. You put up a shot and give Wofford a chance to get right back in it and, and eventually go on and get that win on the Storm Murphy fadeaway from 18 feet off one foot. I mean, Sanford, I think I'd agree with Coach Forbes. They've been in a lot of games late, including the one against DTSU earlier this year, and appear to be much better than their record does indicate. I mean, you're looking at them at 3-6, and six and you're thinking about probably could have won the game at ETSU, should have won the game at Wofford. Yeah. I think there was another game there with Mercer. They let slip away late. So, uh, I mean, they could easily be 6-3. Be and three. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They could very easily be 6-3. and three. Uh, ahead of Furman in Chattanooga, sitting in the four slot, and, and still could make some more noise. What scares me about that team is uh, the Sanford Bulldog team is the fact that they lost such a heartbreaker at Wofford and was down 10 at Furman with like three minutes to go and came back and won an improbable game. So no that tells you, yeah, that, that tells you the, the makeup. That, now, here's what that tells me. A lot of people are like, man, Scott Pageant, you know, he's lost a team, probably going to get fired, can't win all these games. If they're doing that, right, if they're they're, they're coming back and doing that and fighting, that that's not fighting for your coach not to be there, right? That That's believing in whatever he is telling them. And they had a just like sort of a baffling call, at, at, at least in his mind, at ETSU that didn't go the way. He had a baffling call at Furman, and I thought he held composure well late in the game not to cost his team and compound the issue. So it'll be an interesting matchup Thursday because it's a it's a team that Sanford seems to always find a way to lose, not just uh, against the rest of the league, but they always seem to find a way to lose against ETSU. Aside from, oh, yeah, I suppose earlier this year they found a way to lose too. Like they were losing, mm-hmm. came back, found a way to lose again, right? Uh, and this is Coach Forbes just generally on what's coming up and the fact that it is a very difficult stretch at Sanford, at Chattanooga, home to Wofford, then at Firm in the next four games. I challenged our team today. I, I think, you know, these next, you know, three weeks are going to tell, two weeks are going to tell a lot about whether we're going to be contenders or pretenders. I mean, we got to go on the road to there and then chat. We got to come home and play Wofford, go to Furman. Then we got to play Mercer Citadel at home. And, you know, I believe this. This is what I believe. This is what I told them. I think we can win the rest of our games. Okay, that's what I believe. They got to believe it, too. I know they believe it, but we got to do it. You know, we got nine games left. There's no reason we can't win the rest of our games. And 
Uh, but it's going to be really hard because the majority of them are going to be on the road. We're not, we have more on the road than we do at home. But, hey, to win the title, it ain't at home either. You know, and last year we had three in a row at home, and that didn't help us. And so let's see how, how this plays out. Win the rest of our games. Let's go. Let's, no, let's, I love let's it. go. I love it. Randy's jumping on the bandwagon with Coach Forbes. That a boy. Coach Sanders is there. No, I like it. I like that. I mean, to, to and he said it with confidence. That wasn't one of those where it's like, well, I've got to tell him we got to win the rest of the games. Right. That was one of those speeches like, look, it's going to be difficult because we got a lot of road games. We've still got to play at Furman, at this, at Sanford, at Shaft. But we got a lot of games, boys, that, that we should be able to win. There's not any game that you're going to look on that schedule and go, yeah, I just don't know how we're going to get that win. Well, I think if you clear these next four, then, yeah, you've got at UNCG on the 24th of February, but home to Citadel, home to Mercer at VMI, and home to Western are your other four games in those last five. I mean, those aren't only winnable. I think those are, you know, if you're going to be a contender for the Southern Conference Championship in the regular season or the postseason, other games that you have to win and that simply for confidence, simply for the fact of perception, simply just how well you're playing at that time, those are W's uh, if you well, are in the form that you need to be. And, and, and let's just talk about the, the, the teams that they've got to play at their place. UNCG at home in Southern Conference is 4-1 and one overall, 10-1. and one. They got to go to Furman, four and one in Southern Conference. That tough loss against Sanford. They're ten and one yeah. at home. They got to go to Chattanooga, who's four and zero in league play, eight and one at home. Yeah. Right. Still got to go to VMI's one and three at home in league play, six and four. So they're still over five hundred at home. Uh, there's only one. There's only two teams that's not five hundred in league play at home, and that's Western and VMI. And there's only one team that is below five hundred at home. Period, which is Western. Everybody else is above. 500 or more. The most losses is Western Carolina, five home losses, VMI four, and then Sanford three, but they're nine and three. I mean, it's still a pretty great winning percentage at home. So there's a lot of games to go that can be difficult. In the same token, I think ETSU has a good shot in all those games. Obviously, the most difficult you would look at is UNCG, but I think fans may be dismissing Sanford and Chattanooga. Chattanooga might be the best. We thought Sanford early season was the best SoCon story. I hate to say this. You know, it pains me what I'm about to say. Oh boy. But Chattanooga is probably the best story right now going in the Southern Conference uh, just for the simple reason they are 5-4 and four, um, in league play right now, sitting tied with Furman for a chance to be the four C. Let me see if this is the right button. I know it, it pains you to even say the C word, Jay. I know that bothers you. Yeah, and it does, and you just gave them a ton of credit. I feel sick. Can we take a break? Yeah, we can. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning, and you're a half hour late to work. Come on. But good things come from multiplying, too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead. Enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed Bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Make your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. 
Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Food City is excited for another thrilling basketball season with the ETSU Buccaneers. Even when slicing up the finest cuts of beef, selecting the freshest produce, or preparing the sweetest baked goods, we live and breathe navy and gold. So go get them, Bucks. On your quest for a Southern Conference championship and beyond, Food City is with you every step of the way. Food City, official supermarket of ETSU Athletics. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda... You can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. the music it's mystery guest time who's it gonna be well you know we've been talking basketball so we're gonna stick with that theme how about one of the former etsu basketball greats who was a heck of a football player but decided to play basketball came to etsu and has two championship rings two tournament appearances it's mike smith plus a player of the year so mike we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today i appreciate you having me man well, let's talk about it because you were such a, an unbelievable quarterback from Missouri and had a lot of options football, but you eventually decided on ETSU basketball. Now, I've talked to you plenty of times. I know the story, but a lot of our fans have probably either forgotten or don't truly know how you got to ETSU. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, like you said, I played football and basketball growing up in high school, and, uh, you know, I love both the sports uh, and, uh, you know, I wanted to go somewhere where I could play immediately, and I thought ETSU uh, was a great opportunity for me to come in and contribute as a freshman. You know, they had a, a winning season the year before I got there, and 
you know, I just wanted to come in and help carry that momentum into the into the future. So, uh, Coach Barto and Coach Wagers, Coach Bailey, and uh, Coach Boyd, they all did a, a good job of recruiting me. And you know, my my family, you know, loved the coaching staff. And uh, you know, I went on one visit, one official visit, and uh, the rest was history. So, yeah, you... probably one of the best decisions I've made. So. You you came in and uh, you know there there are four or five freshmen that that came in with you, but you only managed to to graduate with one of them, and I know that's one of your good friends, Micah Williams. Yeah, he uh, you know me and Micah were roommates from the beginning, and uh, you know we uh, went through the whole uh, the process of uh, you know learning how to play at the college level, the ups and downs, and just trying to maintain and you know try to become the best player we could for the university, and you know try to help our program win games and, and try to make it to that tournament which was the ultimate goal and uh you know we we had a, a great time you know at east tennessee state and uh you know those are moments we'll remember forever well let's talk a little bit about uh, on on the floor and then we'll talk about some of your 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 favorite mem- memories whether it's on the floor or off the floor with teammates and such but 0708 year sticks out bucks were trying to make a run and of course there's the uh Technical foul heard around the world, and we're not going to talk much about that. But yeah. go talk about the off season because you guys were on a mission that got you to the NCAA tournament coming out of that 0708 year. Yeah, I think we just had a mindset of you know we wanted to win that tournament, and that was the only option. Uh, you know, the conference tournament that was the only option. We was uh, that was going to allow us to be successful. So I think we went in with that mindset, and you know we had a great off season. You know, guys really bought in. And, um, you know, and the rest is history. You know, we had a great group of guys, and, and uh, we made a great run at it. And, you know, we, we had a great year that year, and it's probably one of the best years that, uh, you know, I had at East Tennessee State. Yeah, finished 23-11, and 11, won 13 uh, regular season conference games. Then then you beat Stetson, Belmont, Jacksonville, uh, and actually cruised in the championship game. And then you find out you're a 16 seed taking on the overall number one, Pittsburgh, and you're going to play in Dayton. Just talk about seeing your name up on the board and seeing the draw that you were going to uh, – who you are going to play. I mean, that's what you work for the whole the whole season, off season, is get to see your name up on that board on Selection Sunday. And, you know, it's a special moment to spend with, uh, you know, my teammates and coaching staff who put so much hard work in and, um, you know, really deserve that moment. And we cherish that moment. And, um, you know, we try to make the most of it. Being a 16 seed, playing a one seed, you know, it's always tough. But you know, we had a group of guys with Diggs and Hamlin. They didn't really, they really didn't look at the numbers, and they just, they were just ballers. Uh, I think that's kind of what we did. Just went in and played our game, and uh, tried to play fast. And uh, you know, we made it a good game. And hey, but yeah, it made it a good game. You uh, actually uh, down. I think it was down two with about three thirty to go, and. Courtney Pegram had a look from a pass from you for a chance to take the lead in that thing. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm pretty sure Pittsburgh remembers who we are. And uh, uh, every time I hear people talking about 16 seeds beating a one, they always remember East Tennessee State was close, you know, doing it that year. And, uh, you know, it was was a fun trip and a a fun learning experience. And just a great opportunity. Then the very next season, a little bit of an up-and-down uh, year, but ETSU was able to get to the tournament. I think that year there was a four-way time for first. The Bucks were a game out with the fifth seed and then ended up beating uh, uh, the fourth seed, the eighth seed, and then the host school, Mercer, to go to back-to-back tournaments. Yeah, that was. I think that was the year I ended up getting injured. 
had a stress fracture in my leg, and uh, you know I was sidelined for the, I think that whole season. But uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of adversity. You know, with me in the passing of Seth, uh, Seth Coy, and uh, you know, guys really came together, and you know, we really they really pulled off something special that year. The very next year, which will be your red shirt senior year, you have a, a to say you had a heck of a season is probably an understatement. A, a player of the year, the team won 17 regular season conference games, 24 uh, overall games, and then uh, ended up uh, uh, losing, got upset in the conference tournament to North Florida. And then uh, the brand-new tournament, the College Insider Tournament, Bucks made a run, played three straight home games, Furman, Ohio, and Iowa. Just talk about being locked in that year and, and just what it was like for you uh, because it seemed like uh, every game you were walking out there and throwing 20 on the board. I've kind of thrown some memories at you. We're talking to Mike Smith, former ETSU basketball great, still playing professionally. But, Mike, let's, let's let you have the floor a little bit. What were some of your memories uh, that you remember most on the floor, and then what are some things off the floor that, that uh, you can tell us about? Uh, as far as on the floor, I think, you know, the guys, all the guys I played with bought in, and uh, it didn't matter really who was doing all the scoring. We all bought in. Came there to win, and um, you know uh, I played with a lot of good players. Uh, like you said, uh, Courtney Pegram, Kevin Tiggs. You know those are two of I think ETSU's greats as well. And uh, you know just learning from those guys. Those guys were older when I was a freshman. I remember coming in with Pegram, and you know he would drag me into the gym with him. You know just trying to get me to get better. You know, and those are things I always remember. And uh, just trying to. Uh, you know, they were trying to lead by example. You know, I always, well, you know, look back and thank those guys for what they did for dragging me there to the gym to, you know, try to improve my game. Talk about uh, uh, life after ETSU, and, and I know you certainly take pride in, in the Buccaneers. I, I follow you. You always make comments, uh, especially if the Bucks have a big win. And, of course, you got a chance to, to once we got into the neck of your woods, you came over to Omaha and, Saw the Bucks play Creighton, but certainly you keep up with your alma mater and try to pull them through. Yeah, for sure. You know, I always love seeing when that name pops up on uh, you know Selection Sunday as well, because you know I play with a lot of guys that uh, Americans that are uh, you know they play college basketball as well. So when the ETSU boys play, you know sometimes they match up with my teammates' teams and stuff. You know, I gotta I gotta brag on my boys, and uh, you know I always follow them. Uh, you know. East Tennessee State has been nothing but great to me, so I will always be a follower and a fan. And uh, you know, I wish nothing but the best, you know, for Coach Forbes and uh, and the rest of the basketball team. So, but yeah, like you said, I, this is my first opportunity to come see the the Bucks play uh, uh, when I came down and watched them. And uh, you know, it was a good opportunity for me to you know just show my support and just 
come there and, you know, just see what they had to offer. And, you know, Coach Forbes is doing a great job right now. There's a lot of excitement within the, uh, you know, the team and the fan base. So, you know, hopefully keeps it rolling and, you know, finishes this season out strong. Well, Mike, we appreciate you taking the time today. It's great to catch up with you, and thank you. Yeah, not a problem. I appreciate you for having me. All right, that's our mystery guest, Mike Smith, ETSU basketball great. We'll step aside for a timeout. More of Sandos and the sidekick after this word from the Buccaneers Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 12 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. McDonald's says they flash freeze their beef. Doesn't sound good to Wendy's, but someone might be into that. Cheshire, Old Man Winter, and <clears throat> I'm not a fan of frozen beef either. Don't stereotype me. I prefer fresh beef just like anybody else. I'm only human. Ish. Skip the frozen beef from the frozen arches and head to Wendy's. Try a hot day's double and see how fresh, fresh tastes. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson's Getting locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mark, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. Yo, can I get a Hey, 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 what a long road it's been. TikTok Tuesday with Angry Man is back, and the show is out late today because of what I can only describe as a very heated dispute between Angry Man and Jay Sandoz. You may notice we're a couple hours late. Well, we would have been out around noon, maybe 1230, as was originally the plan and happens most days here on Sandoz and the Sidekick, but 
if you've missed Angry Man, you know you've probably been counting the days until he's been coming back. Uh, it's been about six weeks. We're on the 29th of January. Seven weeks, maybe? Seven, eight weeks now at this point. And the original dispute stemmed from Angry Man getting bumped from a show for a variety of reasons, but... There was a ransom note. There was a long absence even last week on the first week back of the show after a long legal dispute outside of Angry Man. He did not appear on the show. And so today the beef was squashed. Things were settled. But the condition of Angry Man coming on the show today was that Jay Sandoz must not be present while he is here. I voted. Angry Man voted. Jay Sandoz voted. And we came to the conclusion that it would be best for Sandos and the sidekick if Sandos stepped aside and Angry Man did return in the triumphant fashion that he has. Welcome back, Angry Man. Sidekick, what's up? How have you been? Well, you know, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, and a little bit of up, a little bit of down, but it's great. Can you snow on the ground? A little bit chilly outside? Can you ex- love it. Can you explain to me how this holdout has or has not affected you having to bottle your anger up for two months, or has it been released in other ways? It's been released in other ways. And, you know, I went to the doctor, and I got a good check mark. Okay. My heart's in good condition. Okay. Had good blood pressure. Okay. Maybe a tad high. Okay. But... Other than that, not too bad. So perhaps also the absence, while it was because of anger, no shock there, but perhaps it wasn't anger just at the show and Jay himself, it was due to the fact that your anger was causing your body to do other strange things and you wanted to ensure that your anger could continue unfettered. Yeah, you know, I don't want to die. So <laughs> That's I a fair to, point, Angry yeah, Man. You know, I wanted to make sure that everything was good. Okay. I feel feel a lot better. Good. A lot better than I did a couple weeks ago. Good. Yeah, I was going to say, things that could make Angry Man die may have been a double doink from a field goal kicker in a Chicago Bears uniform. Now, I don't even have to ask if this makes you angry. The real question should be how angry it made you and all your possessions that were around you at that time, your car, your house, your television, your computer, all of the necessities that many of us come to take for granted, are they all still intact? Yes. You know what gets me going? People that want to just crush their TV after something bad happened in sports. What are you doing? Now, you need help. You need full-on help if that happens. Some people may say, I need help when I go on my rants. No. If you're going to crush a television set, if you're going to break a car, run it off the road, Check yourself! Come on! Before you literally wreck yourself. And there are some people, specifically Crazy Coach, and I'm not sure if your holdout had anything to do with Crazy Coach and some of his comments on Thursdays about your anger that comes on Tuesdays, but there are many people that say Angry Man needs help. When Angry Man is telling you you need help, then you really do have quite the issue. I've seen some of the videos that are out there surrounding Cody Parkey and that miss that hit the uh, upright, then the crossbar. Uh, you know, you're trying to block it out of your memory. Cody who? Yeah, he's no longer on the Bears, I don't believe. Is that no, correct? he is. He is still uh, employed by the Bears. Yes. I saw that they brought in, and they this is the in. best part of the entire story oh. regarding Cody Park oh. and the Bears. Oh. So there's a video that surfaces. I don't know who the kicker was that they brought in. The name Redford, of the Tulsa guy, Redford somebody. And there's video that surfaces of him hitting the upright and the crossbar. Like, but it went in. <laughs> but his went his in. His went in. <laughs> and it, but it was also from 22 yards out. Does it worry you that there is a double-doink present? Now you've got two double-doinkers. 
I, I, I will make the call today on January 29th, 2019. Write it down. Both Parky and Redford, question mark, from Tulsa, will not be the kicker day one when the Bears open the season in September. Wow. And if that's the case, sidekick, watch out! So you're ready eight months ahead of the season to say there's no chance that while these two are the only employed kickers on the Chicago Bears, that they will be the ones come opening night. They will not be kicking for the Bears opening night. I am 100% sure of that. I know Cody Parkey won't, and there's got to be someone else better that can hit the up, straight through the upright to double doinking a 22-yard field goal. Or, or at the very least, just hit the upright or the crossbar. I mean, come on. Yes. You've got to reduce the number of posts and then baby step your way down to none. I'm sure it's hard to go cold turkey in that sense. Uh, the Chicago Bears and that game in general, are you willing to listen to the arguments that say they could have done more to stop themselves from being in that position in the first place? Yeah, well, it all stemmed, like you go back to the regular season and week one where Kyle Fuller has the football hit him right in the stomach. Could have been a game-clinching interception against Green Bay. You win that game, you get a first-round bye. And then you go to the playoffs, and then your defense gets called for some stupid, unnecessary roughness penalties that they really haven't done all year, and it prolongs the scoring drive. That kicks them in the gut. But the thing that gets me going the most is Ryan Pace having trust in Cody Parkey after he missed a game-winning field goal attempt in Miami where the field conditions were pristine and the weather is great. He missed a kick in San Francisco. He hit the upright numerous times at home against Detroit. The guy did not want to even go to Soldier Field and practice kicking because he didn't want to make the commute and be stuck in traffic. And you kicked him on the roster and he screwed you. Pardon my language, but I am mad. I usually am someone that says there's a lot that can be done prior to the final play. Or it doesn't even have to be the final play. Something in the last couple minutes. Say the New Orleans Saints, for instance, in the NFC Championship game with the penalty that's or non-penalty that's drawn so much discussion and apparently a lawsuit on behalf of fans and whoever else in the city of New Orleans. Get, and now the bars aren't even going to show the Super Bowl. They're going to show when the Saints won right. in like 2010 or whatever it was. Which is just childish. What are you doing? So, so I'm usually... I'm saying with the Saints game, yeah, that's a big call, but there's things that could have happened going up to that non-call that ended up They could being, have blown the game open in the first half. They could now, have been, don't get me wrong. That was a penalty, and it should have been – there's two penalties on their play, and it should have been thrown. They could have run the ball in first they down. They could have run the ball in first down. There's plenty of things yes. that we could point to, but with the very final play of the game with Cody Parkey, fourth year edge Now, I am with you. I thought that Chicago should have tried – to get closer. I hate when offenses pack it in, especially when you're still like 25-yard line or so. Like, kicking is so no... So you know you got a kicker that has a history of not making a big kick. Kicking, we should know in football at the collegiate level, high school level, professional level, it is not a given from any length, let alone 40-plus yards away when the nerves are tightened, the heat is heightened, and yes... You hit an upright, what was it, four times in a game, five times in a game four earlier? Times against four times in one game, and you're from the wrong hash, quote-unquote. You have to, as a right-footed kicker, pull the ball through the uprights instead of push it if you're from the left hash. So there were a lot of things going against Cody Parkey there. I, 
I don't have a ton of sympathy for Parky, but I have None. E- but I have even None. I have and even what does he do? He goes on the Today Show to try to get that sympathy. But I have even less sympathy for the Bears that put him there in the first place, to be quite honest. The, well, the offense. The sure. offense did not get the job the done. The defense was very good that the until the seventeen points. Until, until the final drive. Yes. But still, if you hold Philly to seventeen points, you need to be able to at least score twenty in a playoff game. Agreed. And then to add more salt to it, then during the championship weekend, you see monsters kicks. Both in both Zerline, Legatron goes fifty-seven <laughs> with pressure on him. Yes, Kansas City with pressure on him. Yes. The one thing that got me feeling a little bit better though is a couple days later the college football championship between Clemson and Alabama. Both kickers. You were reveling in that, I, weren't I, you? I, uh, I, got, I had some fun with that. Yeah, yeah I, I bet you did. You weren't the only one uh, in the postseason of college and. Professional football to feel the pain. Okay, uh, we can put that behind us because I'm sure you wanted to bury it before it even happened, but we'll let it go here on Ticked Up Tuesday on Santos and the Sidekick. we got to talk about the holidays because for a lot of people, yes, this is going back about four or five weeks, but it can be a very stressful time. The uh, people surrounding you can sometimes make that even more stressful. The fact that it is a pressure-packed time of year knowing that you're trying to make plenty of people around you happy? What if you don't give the right gift? What if travel plans fall through? What if any of a myriad of things go wrong or don't go how you want them? Then people will be mad at you. It's all your fault. You know, what if what if big bad Santa Claus didn't come with the, the gift that uh, your little one was looking for? You know, that hey, come on, Santa Claus. I mean, what's going on? You have to play so many different roles around the holidays. How do you feel about the holidays? Is it a joyous time or does it grind your gears and get your blood pressure up a bit? I try – right now it's a joyous time. Yes. To have a little one and yes. have her wake up on Christmas Day and see just the pure joy in her eyes and look at all those presents under the tree. And I love seeing Wholesome. It. It's great. Yes. It was also easier this year because the Bears were good. I was able to give my nieces and nephews Chicago Bears NFC North Championship T-shirt. Nice. So that, that was fun. Built in. They helped Built you in. out. It was an easy thing to do. The one thing I learned – actually, let me rewind that because then I also – I got a great gift for my wife. Wow. I got a smoker for Christmas. Oh, yeah. And I put that to use on Christmas Day. Yes. And you actually got to taste some of it. I did. And, and, and you, whatnot. You nailed it. For my first time doing something, I was, well was done. great. I was, I was happy. Well done. And it, so all that was great. Now what happened the day after is we went on the road. What I learned is I am never going to get in my vehicle again the day after Christmas and get on the interstate for a three-hour trip. I'm just not doing it. The roadways are not safe during that time of year. Stay off the road and just enjoy it in your house where you cannot injure anybody. No one can injure you. You'll be safe. That is my one thing that got me going around. Because the other thing with the holidays is I was able to have a few days off of work. It was great to just reset the bed. Savor those, yeah. Enjoy it a little bit. Be with some family. But just the... The drivers out there, I know everyone's oh, the angry man getting on the drivers again. No, it's it's true. It was raw. It was rough. There was five accidents on the interstate for a three-hour trip. Wow, it was not safe. What do you think it is about people the day after? Think, I think their minds are still wrapped up in the presents and the gift giving. Yeah, and they're the, mad that oh, I didn't get this. I didn't get that. <laughs> I got to go exchange this. I got to exchange that. 
No, enjoy your time with your family and don't go shopping. They're they're rage driving because their family members or Santa Claus didn't give the right gift. So they're going to take it out on everybody else. Exactly. They're going to close their eyes, put their foot in the gas, and get out of my way, beep, beep. Yep, that's what they're going to do. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad you weren't in one of those accidents, Hager Man. That certainly would have heightened the blood pressure. You know, I'm a great driver. Correct. So I I can see things happening about a mile or two down the road. So. I'd be like, okay, watch out for this car, watch out for that car. They're going to do something stupid. More people need to be like that. But, again, more people need to stay at home and be with their family instead of going shopping again because they already do it on Thanksgiving. Then they're doing it the night before Christmas. Yes, that was one of them. <laughs> and then they're doing it after Christmas. Just enjoy the time at your house. It's not all about material possessions. You want the emotional gift that is the holidays. Yeah. That's good. Uh, one more thing that I have, and, th- and I'll just open it up to you if you have anything else you want to get out there from the last seven or eight weeks that we've missed you. The Pro Bowl, this is kind of going back to the Bears a bit. Mitch Trubisky almost gets decapitated by Jamal Adams on really a busted offensive play. And this, and this is a game where players on offense are playing defense, players on defense are playing offense. Jalen Ramsey had a touchdown catch. Alvin Kamara's playing defensive end. It's ridiculous. And so overall, I want your thoughts on, firstly, Mitch Trubisky playing at all in the Pro Bowl. And secondly, all-star games in professional sports, why do they even exist anymore? Well, it used to count in Major League Baseball. Yeah, it used to, which was also stupid. It, was, it wasn't smart, but at least they It made it kind of interesting, for yeah. something. Right. I don't it, – it, all-star – the NBA is fun because they put up some points. NFL now, they don't even score. They don't even they try. Just, they used to put up 50, 60 points right. in, in the Pro Bowl. What was it, 27 to 7 or I something know, like that? I don't know the longest time. It was 17-0. <laughs> NFC was shut out 17. How do you not score a point in the All-Star game? How do you not score a point when you're supposed to have the best talented players on the field? What is that? What have they come to? It's embarrassing. It is. Yeah. So, so you're okay with all-star games, though, in general? You know what I love? I, the one thing I'll always love, and I've loved it since a child, though, is the home run derby. Okay. Continue that. The three-point contest. The dunk contest. The dunk contest. It's, uh, it's gotten a little bit better over the last couple of years. It was really bad for about 10 or 15 years. It, it, it's, yeah, it's had its peaks and, and, peaks and valleys. Yeah, man. But I, I, get it, I get happy with those. But okay. then when it comes to the game, it's like, eh. What are they really doing? Right. Because you're talking about in the NBA, you know, 180 to 170 probably. Yeah, yeah. They've got the celebrity all-star game, which is kind of fun. You can laugh at Kevin Hart, who's like five foot two out there trying to play basketball. Justin Bieber draining threes, you know. Those are kind of fun. But I think the NBA all-star weekend, which is coming up, does it as right as you can do it. Everyone knows that it doesn't matter who wins, but they've got the kind of skills competitions that are fun. The NHL skills competition. flew under the radar. I, I don't did. Think any, anyone knew it was going on. The only reason I noticed it was happening was because I believe it was a former Minnesota Golden Gopher. I can't remember who it was, but a uh, first female to compete in the skills competition. And from what I saw, she was blazing around the ice yeah, very fast. Yes. It was quite impressive. It was an impressive video to watch. So, so that was cool, but otherwise, I couldn't have told you what channel it was on. Uh, we don't care about hockey on Santos and the Sidekick. Uh, the game Which itself, the game itself, I think it's three on three now. Is that yeah. right? But it's sad that you're from Minnesota. It is. That is sad. There's no NHL content on your show. You won't blame me, and I won't blame you for not missing our hometowns this week, though, because it's like Oof. negative fifty and negative Oof. sixty in both. Negative fifty with the wind chill and about. 18 inches of snow on the ground. You know, it ticks me off is freezing cold like that, where you step outside your house and you and get frostbite in like 10 like seconds. Your nostrils are just frozen to In like five seconds. Freeze. In like five your seconds. Your eyelids yes. freeze. It's not your safe. Your face 
burned. It's not safe. So, no. especially around this time of year, I am very thankful to be in the cozy studio. That was the only time the we got out of school as a child. It wasn't because of snow. It was because of the frigid, cold, minus temperature. I definitely woke up today, walked outside, and saw the rain, and sent texts to many people in Minnesota who are experiencing these 50 and 60 degree below wind chills, and said, yeah, hey, school got canceled today. Rain. Rain was the reason. Now, it has snowed since, yeah, obviously, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it was very satirical and very fun. Uh, how about you and just generally any anger you want to get off your chest? We're going to have you on every week until Santos and the sidekick takes the break after basketball. Uh, maybe comes back for some football in April. Maybe does a show here and there. But daily, we're going to be done right around mid-March. And so you've got plenty of time to think, get mad, reconsider, get mad again, then get really, really mad, let it loose on the air. Has there been anything that you've wanted to do that with seven or eight weeks past? There's one thing, sidekick. All right. And I'll end it with this. Okay. Selfies and just taking meaning, meaningless snap photos. Why do you people think that's fun? Why? You're just sitting here. I'm just sitting here right now. I'm going to take, take a selfie. I'm going to take a picture of this water bottle. Why? What is so interesting and entertaining in that? Why do you have to post that? You don't want lifelong memories. I have them up in my brain. <laughs> but do you need that? And I can take them. I, not a selfie on my phone, but I'll take a picture of my child or whatever, or I'm on vacation. But people walking down the sidewalk, pulling out their phone just to take a picture of themselves. Why? Of every single thing. Of everything. Or, hey, I'm going to take this little thing. I can't even tell what it is, but I'm going to send it to my buddy. Why? How about people that take pictures or Snapchat behind the wheel? That it don't get me started. <laughs> Don't get me started. We, we better end there before the microphone melts in front of your face. I'm about, yeah, yeah. That's probably, sm- that's probably smart. It's good to see you again, Angry Man. It's been fun. Angry, wait. Angry Man on TikTok Tuesday. He'll be back next Tuesday. More after this break on Santos and the Sidekick in the Buccaneer Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecues, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and O, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway 
or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway. This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. B-I-O-Fun. I smell the newest Jumbo One with a chance at a $4 million top prize. It's so big, you can play both sides. Jumbo Bucks 300X. Good news, you don't need magic beans to meet this giant. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing, giant-sized fun. Please play responsibly. That's the longest <laughs> intro of all time. I was just waiting. Wait, I thought it was their third stanza. Yeah. Was it just two? I thought Probably. it was three. We can run it again if you want. No. no oh, okay. Lord. Goodness. Let's, let's let that sit where it's going to be. All right. It's, uh, that means it's one thing, right? It's top 25. The College Insider Mid-Major Top 25. And during the football season, we do the FCS Top 25, of course, break that down. But the College Insider Top 25 ranking the best mid-major teams in the country, of course, there's no surprise that Gonzaga is still on top, number one in the rankings with 775 points. That is 48 points ahead of Wofford, who are number two. Gonzaga slaughtered St. Clara in their only game last week, won by 59. Wofford climbs a spot. They're up to number two over Buffalo. Of course, the win over Stanford on that fadeaway by Storm Murphy. And then win over Chattanooga. That was an 80-69 final five-point game with... Ten minutes left, uh, still climbing that one spot, and that's because Buffalo lost to Northern Illinois by two last week, only dropping one spot after they rebounded against Kent State. So it's Gonzaga, Wofford, and Buffalo, and you've got Hofstra at 19-3 and and UNCG, the 23-point win over the Citadel, and then the 7-point win over Mercer. That's your top five, Gonzaga, Wofford, Buffalo, Hofstra, UNCG, two Southern Conference teams in the top five, Jay. I love to see that. I, I, the one thing I and I did watch, so I, I'm going to jump a little bit. Six and sevens, Belmont Murray State. They played on nationally televised game, correct? And, and mainly because Murray State has a guy that's if you haven't Jim heard Durant. of, him, haven't heard of him. The NBA's all over him. They had all these scouts. And what I liked about the game was the entire broadcast. It was an infomercial for two teams to get, both those teams to get in the tournament and stop letting the ninth and 10th place, Big Ten, Big like Ten, ACC, all that. I liked it, too. And eventually somebody pointed out, you know, hey, that Southern Conference is pretty good, too, and maybe they deserve a couple teams in. So the more that that can happen, the better it is. And I love seeing, again, the top of that board, you're looking at, what, three of the top nine yep. being in the Southern Conference. You've got a couple OVC teams at six and seven. You know, the, the A-Sun has also got a couple teams that are not that far away in that 8 was the and 12, right? Yeah, that was the conversation that kind of threw me for a loop this week of people talking about the A-Sun being a two-bid league. And, of course, there are many around the Southern Conference that shot back quickly and said, well, if the A-Sun is a two-bid league, it was the SoCon a four-bid league. Are Furman, Wofford, UNCG, and ETSU all getting that? Well, and, and, and the one thing I want to say is that I want to say Lipscomb lost twice to Belmont, if I'm not mistaken. So, I would like to. I haven't looked at the rest of their schedule. They're sixteen and four, 
they have two losses to Belmont. So if you're Belmont and you don't get in, I mean, how mad are you? Because you're sitting there at 15-4 with a win at UCLA, right? Right. Now, one of their wins was a tough loss that they're getting hammered for. I think it was Bowling Green. And Bowling Green's a pretty good team, too. It's ranked. But they lost that game after playing a, a overtime or double overtime game, and then they, they bust 900 miles to play the next game a day later. miles on a bus. Yeah, on a Thursday. So they played Thursday, bust Friday, played Saturday, day, and sure. lost. Yeah. And they're like, there's no other team in ACC or any other level school that did that. You're going 60 miles an hour. That's a 15-hour yeah, bus. Right oh, now. it's just brutal. So that being said, I, I like to see the conversation. I think there – I do like that the committee this year, I want to say, has five or six of the ten-person committees are from the mid-majors. And so this could be the year plus the net rankings as it necessarily wiped out the mid-majors as people had thought. So we'll just have to wait and see. But certainly I think most of America, because most of America doesn't pull for all the Power 5 teams, uh, is pulling to see a very good mid-major team as opposed to a 500 or an under 500 ACC team. I hope so because what's interesting about that? What is interesting about a 500 team that that in their conference and in the non-conference had all these terrible losses and they still get in just because of computer numbers? I don't don't like it at all. So, Belmont, you nailed it. They went against Murray State, so they hopped Murray State 6-7. Belmont was number 11 previously. Murray State down three spots after being number four last week. The other one for Belmont this week, Austin P. Uh, number eight is Lipscomb at 16-4, and four, the first A-Sun team in the rankings. Then here's the Bucks at number nine. You talked about three in the top nine out of the Southern Conference. And then San Francisco rounds out the top ten. They're down four spots after losing to San Diego by four. So I, I, I do want to – I'm going to go back real quick. Yeah. I just looked up Lipscomb's. They did lose to Belmont twice. They lost to Louisville, lost to Clemson. They did win at SMU. Hmm. They won at a ranked TCU. Wow. So you're starting to look at anyone at middle, which is generally a pretty good team, and Vermont, which is generally a pretty good team. So you, I, I could see a case uh, at that point. For, I'd still be mad if I'm Belmont because Belmont played more uh, higher-ranked teams. All right, that being said, I've seen San Francisco play one time. Yep. Pretty legit. Okay. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, like that. The problem is they're in there with Gonzaga. The West Coast has, in years past, had two teams in when St. Mary's uh, would go, but – it almost had to happen that St. Mary's had to win the tournament, basically, to get in. They weren't getting in as the at-large. I still feel like, as good as San Francisco is, if Gonzaga was smart and wanted to help their league out, and I know Mark Few and them would never do it, but they almost need to throw the championship game. <laughs> Let San Francisco do I know they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. All right. I said it, but they're not going to do it. Nobody's going to do it. But it would help the league out a lot right. to get a second team in uh, if that situation were to occur. And I, I think another – Vermont's the, the oddball for me because I've looked at their schedule. They've got some very good wins, and they've got some baffling losses. And when they have – like when Lipscomb beat them, I think they beat them like 91-66. I mean, they just throttled them. So they've been throttled several times. So that's the one team I'm not quite sure – uh, what to figure out. And then another one, well, you haven't got to them yet. i got another one for you. Good call. UC Irvine, number 11, Liberty, number 12, uh, South Dakota State. Mike Dom won his seventh Horizon League Player of the Year honor this year. His seventh this year. He's got 18 in his career, tying himself and Nate Walters, if you remember him, mm-hmm. at North Dakota State. Loved Nate Walters. He was like the reincarnation of Ben Woodside back from the uh, mid to late 2000s at North Dakota State. But uh, seven Horizon League Player of the Week honors this year, tying himself and Nate Walters for the most all-time wins against Omaha and NDSU. Dom this week averaged 32 points and 17 rebounds per game. Yeah, so he, he's, he's pretty good. good. Well, I've seen him up close and personal. Yeah. And 
The first move he made on the baseline was a pump fake one dribble, jumped outside the lane and two-hand dunked on the Bucks. And I thought, well, yep, that's a pretty good move. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Vermont, this is the team that you talked about out of the America East, 16-5. And, and one of the good wins I think you'd talk about would be against Stony Brook. They beat him by 21 earlier this week, or last week, I should say. Stony Brook's number 17 in this poll. They lost to Albany by one before losing to Vermont at home by 21. So a bit spastic, that Vermont team, and perhaps Stony Brook as well. Between Vermont and Stony Brook in the rankings are New Mexico State and Toledo at number 15 and 16, just quickly rounding out the top 20, Texas State, Yale, and Northern Kentucky. Northern Kentucky is what I was going to talk about because that was the one I was actually arguing. Because Western Carolina has a uh, – Buck fans may remember Mason Faulkner who played in uh, the two games against ETSU in that year. They played the home-and-home and was – probably the second-best player on Northern Kentucky's team. He's transferred to Western City. Now, he might be Western's best player uh, that's actually not playing right now. And so we were kind of joking, boy, I, I haven't even heard from Northern Kentucky. I bet they've fallen off the map. That led to me looking them up, and they're 18-4. and four. Not too bad. They also still, for the second straight year, have to share their building with Cincinnati. Cincinnati's arena is given um, the makeover. So it would be interesting that when they get their own building back, they have to give up practice time and game times uh, to the Bearcats, who do pay – for the rental, but it's I, I always find that interesting that you're like, hey guys, we're going to practice on our arena on campus, but ah, we're not going to be able to use the actual arena because Cincinnati's on the floor. A bit inconvenient, without a doubt. Yeah, Six no. wins in a row for Northern Kentucky. Uh, the most recent ones, <clears throat> pardon me, coming this past week against Green Bay and Milwaukee. So right now, Northern Kentucky, who are unranked last week, they hop. I guess technically five spots, but who really knows how far out of the rankings they were? They are number twenty. One more note on Stony Brook, uh, Vermont would have climbed in the polls, but they had lost to UMBC by 13 three days earlier. So, again, just to add to your point with Vermont, they're number 14, stayed at number 14, then Stony Brook at number 17 fell four spots because they lost to Vermont and only beat Albany by one. Kind of a weird puzzle that Vermont and Stony Brook have going on in the America East. Uh, last five in the mid-major top 25 by College Insider, Georgia State in the Sun Belt, number 21, Montana at 14-6 and six out of the big sky, number 22, Charleston stands pat at number 23, the other team that was unranked before moving into the rankings this week, Radford at number 24, and then it's Cal Santa Barbara. Radford uh, has won eight games in a row. They beat Charleston Southern by eight last Thursday, and they also had a win against Longwood on their Monday-Thursday slate from last week. So eight wins in a row, and Radford making some noise as well. A couple of teams ETSU played this year that have caught fire that are not ranked. One is uh, Sam Houston State. They're 7-0 and in their league. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is their overall record is going to be 12-8. and uh, But good news for ETSU, they keep winning. Norfolk State's also 7-0 and in their league. And, of course, they had that win against UTEP. The uh, last thing uh, I think I'll bring up on the uh, uh, top 25 is another interesting – oh, it has nothing to do with mid-major, but if you're an ETSU fan, and, and, I, and I know there's a lot of Tennessee fans out there too – you need South Carolina to beat Tennessee. Wofford has a win over them. Wyoming has a win over South Carolina, who the Bucks beat Wyoming. All that helps ETSU, so keep that in mind. I know it's great that the Vols are number one. Vols are going to be in the tournament. We're not worried about the Vols being in the tournament. What we are worried about is making sure ETSU in the Southern Conference has an opportunity to not just get in the tournament, but if a bad case scenario, get two teams in the tournament. So you might want to pull for that as well. Things to watch. We should probably close the show with this. Shouldn't we? I do not. I do not. I don't want to listen to that for 17 more times. (laughs) Mid-Major Top 25 by College Insider. There it is. There it is. Jay jumps around. Top 25 is what it should be. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was doing a little bit of that myself. That is interjecting. All right. What do we got tomorrow? Uh, Lando's land. 
Orlando's land. And have Patrick Good as well. Oh, yeah, Patrick Good. So we can talk maybe a little signing day. I know it'll be about a week away. Maybe we can preview, preview. talk about One some week. needs, oh, what we'll see. Sure. Can't do that. And then also, uh, I guess Trey's back. Whatever Trey does. I don't know. All right, good show. Appreciate Mr. Guest Mike Smith. Angry man yelled at us not as much as normal, but he did yell as usual. And we had a look at our top 25 and a recap of Steve Forbes on the coaches show. Don't forget you can download us, SoundCloud, iTunes, subscribe to the RSS feed. That way, every time a new show is uploaded, you get it automatically downloaded or the alert that the new show is up and running. Back tomorrow with another show. It'll be Wednesday. Fucking air. Sports Network.